And welcome to the HTML All Things Podcast, episode number 64, How Much Does a Website Cost? I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. If you've been enjoying, if you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. You can review us on the Apple Podcast or on the podcast platform that you are listening to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. We only have a couple of tiers right now, but... That second tier, the $3 tier, will give you a shout-out in the podcast, and we'll, we will share a link to your website in our show notes. And probably the most important one is just to tell your friends or anyone else you know that is interested in web development that we are here and ready to be listened to. And if they're ready to go a step further, or if you're ready to go a step further, you can come hang out with us in our Discord server. So our Discord server is well over 200 members now, uh, pretty impressive, and lots of people chatting it up. Um, we found that it's really active on the weekends. And that's the only time that I don't check it a lot. So I got to start actually checking on the weekends because we have a lot of uh, weekend sort of code warriors, if you will, in there. Um, so yeah, come and uh, check it out, get some help and, uh, you know, just kind of shoot the shit. But as we uh, always do, Mike, take it away with your weekly pain point. All right. Thanks, Matt. So my weekly pain point this week is cleaning my MacBook Pro. Um, so as I've said a couple times on the podcast, I've been, I'm going to be going away for some travel and be away for about a month visiting a couple different places um and what i wanted to do before i left was open up my macbook pro clean it clean it up repaste like do a thermal repaste so that everything is kind of running as efficiently as i possibly can get it while i'm away um and it definitely made a huge difference so i i did it yesterday and i ran a bunch of like different benchmarks like geekbench and unigen he- heaven they just essentially tell you your baseline and then you can use that baseline to compare it to where you are against the same laptop to make sure that you know your performance hasn't degraded uh you're like nothing's wrong with your system and uh, as far as i can tell i've actually like improved quite a bit because i guess the thermals have gone down and my like my processor is able to clock up a lot higher in in its processing power, so everything's kind of running even better than it was before. It's running quieter. It's uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that fix. So if anyone has a MacBook Pro or any really old laptop, I definitely recommend doing a quick clean. Uh, I just followed a tutorial on YouTube, and it, it took me I don't know twenty minutes, twenty thirty minutes. wasn't too too bad. Uh, but that's about it for me. What about you, Matt? Uh, well, I actually want to comment on your, on your pain point and it's a question and whatever. It's like a question and a comment, I guess. It's, do you think that Apple uses a worse thermal compound because they're buying it in bulk or do you think it's kind of forced obsolescence or do you think that it's just an innocent thing? Like, Hey, we use this thermal paste. It works. Like your processor ain't going to break. Like, what do you think? Why is it that it's so easy to fix this thing? So, okay. So a couple, couple answers to this. So the, the compound that they use isn't necessarily terrible. Um, what manufacturers tend to do is they use compound that's the most reliable over X amount of years. Right. So okay. their, their intention is for it to last as long as humanly possible. They don't really care that you can get a couple extra degrees from more expensive compound because usually that compound will last a little bit less time. Like they'll still last years. It just won't last as long. Oh, okay. Um, so that's why they use that thermal compound. And yes, they do get it in bulk and get a lot of discounted on that, but it's not the, that, that wasn't the issue. And it, it wasn't really an Apple issue. It was just the fact that this computer is a 2013 laptop and I don't, it might never have been cleaned before. Like it was in fairly good condition for being that old. 
Uh, like, like the, there was definitely a lot of dust, but it wasn't like caked in dust. Like it wasn't crazy. Like I've seen some really bad situations with computers. Um, but it's, it's just age. Like everything, you know, after three years, four years, your, your thermal paste will become really solid. It won't, it will lose its like viscosity and it will go down in performance. It'll still work. Like that's a thing. It's not, it, I don't think this one's on Apple. Um, that's for sure. At most companies, most laptop manufacturers will choose this way other than maybe the most like extreme cases for like gaming laptops or like custom gaming laptops. I can see them going a different way, like the more performance based paste. But again, you're, you're talking a couple degrees. It's more the freshness, like the fresher, the paste, the cleaner, the fans, like the less dust. That's what improved it. Not so much like paste choice. Okay. Interesting. So it's not, okay. So it's not nefarious. It's just industry standard. More or less yep. kind of thing. Okay, cool. Um, so my, my weekly pain point uh, this week is um, typo three woes, uh, but not serious woes, just learning woes, if that's a thing. So um, we're using a new CMS called uh, typo or typo three, uh, to be more specific. And uh, basically, I'm just trying to get my uh, get my hands on it and figure out how to use it. So we're I'm used to using something like Webflow or using something like Couch CMS, uh, but we have some sites that are bigger, as we've mentioned in the past, and so got to learn this new one. And uh, so far, I've already uh, I've already accidentally published my credentials, including login instructions, publicly. So that's good. I mean, it's on a test site, so like there's nothing bad, but it would be bad if it was production. Uh, so I've publicly published those. Um, I've locked myself out once, uh, and then I also couldn't find how to up, update my files. Uh, so I broke my SCSS configuration once and then um, found out that my plugin that I use for FTP isn't all that reliable. And so uh, that also broke that. So um, going well in typo land. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's just sort of the territory. The The worst part was, not to, not to prolong this, but the worst part was the worst, the, the most noob thing you can do as a user is get locked out. And that was the very first thing I did. Logged in, like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and log in. I'm locked out. <laughs> so, um, don't lock yourself out of your typo three <laughs> configurations, kids. And uh, let's, uh, I'll hand it off to Mike uh, for this very interesting episode. Yes. So uh, that was, uh, I mean, we've all experienced that with learning new technologies. I don't think typo is. <laughs> <laughs> is, is is to blame here it's just like learning a new technology in in general oh yeah definitely um, just general learning pains yeah exactly like with anything even if we would have went with sanity or any other thing we would have had these kinds of situations i'm 100 percent sure i had these kinds of situations when learning sanity i had these kinds of situations when learning pretty much any technology you just have like those things where you lock yourself out or can't especially when you're doing any sort of pushing to servers jesus like that always kills me so I mean, keep going. Uh, I think I'd be more, I'm interested to see when we're going to start doing some typo content because, uh, maybe we'll do an episode on it and explain what it is, why choose it over other CMSs or why, you know, what's his ups and downs are. It's, it'll be an interesting talk. But with that being said, let's move on to this week's episode. Um, we're doing how much does a website cost? And I want to just talk about kind of the structure of, someone starting out in web development and what they're like, what they're thinking, how much everything is going to cost. And I want to kind of, uh, you know, 
dispel some of the false information that's out there. Uh, make, make sure that people understand what the costs are, what the realistic costs are when you're first starting out and what it'll go to when you're kind of a medium sized business, when you have clients and you have more clients coming on. We're never, we're not going to go to like a, a big web agency because Matt and I don't have experience with that and we don't want to like just make stuff up. So we're just going to go to where we're kind of at right now, where we're kind of a medium sized web development business. We do both web design, web, uh, web structure, like, like website creation. We do web development work on, as contractors. We do like a lot of stuff around web development and programming. And I'd say we're in the medium size right now for a small, for a small business. <laughs> we're not a medium sized corporation. That's for sure. Small, small to mid. Size business. Yes, small to mid size business. But we're definitely past the, the very start phase. Like we're like, I'd still say we're a start up maybe, but we're not like starting at, at this point. Like we do have clients, we have residual like responsibilities and stuff like that. So first segment here is setup cost. And this is where I'm going to talk about kind of the hardware aspect. What to, what to expect. Uh, you'll need to start a like, a website business and how much a website would cost from a hardware perspective. So what what you'll need is a computer that has internet access. And I'm guessing most of you that are going to be listening to this podcast probably already have that. You probably already achieved that goal. Uh, and really, as a person that's just starting up, doesn't matter so much what operating system you're running. Doesn't matter how strong your computer is. Like, I hopefully it can, you know, load websites and load a web, like a visual editor, like an IDE. But I mean, again, those, those things are just nice. Uh, hopefully you have something like that. So you don't really need to spend money to get into the web development industry in terms of like hardware. Like you don't need to go out there and get a special laptop that has a special screen that you can use for color correction. Don't worry. Like I don't get bogged down into those little details. That's what I want people to take from this episode more than anything is don't get, don't make excuses for yourself based on what you have and how much money you have and stuff like that. Like that, that is not a stopping factor for you to start your own business and start doing contract work for website design, web development, stuff like that. With that being said, obviously, as you start progressing in your business, you're going to need to purchase some other equipment. You're going to need, and, and this other equipment could be, you know, a more powerful computer to do stuff more fa- like quicker and stuff like that. Some test devices to test on. So like you want to test with phones, you want to test with, with tablets, stuff like that. Just different screen sizes, different, different hardware to test your code on to make sure that it's running the same on as many devices as you possibly can. Uh, maybe test servers. Maybe you'll have like a little computer in your, in your house that'll just be like a development server. This is, it's arguable if this is needed or not, but it's kind of, it's sometimes nice to have so you don't have to rely on just, uh, like cloud hosted VPSs, virtual private servers. You can make your own virtual private server with whatever hardware configuration you want. Uh, you, you might want microphones again to start maybe doing some content creation because the content creation will lead, maybe lead to cr- more clients, maybe will lead to better connections in the industry, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of little things that you might need down the road. But another thing that I want to say is it's very scalable and it's very income proportional. So when you're starting out, you don't have to spend that much. And once you start generating an income, you can choose to use portions of that income for better equipment but it's never going to be to the point where you're like using all of your like you know you're generating in a 
uh, deficit. That's that's what I want to to instill as well is that there's no need to be a web developer and start out contracting and be like, I need to go into a deficit to be able to like get everything done. And I need to, you know, I need to spend money to make money. That's not really the case with web development. As far as we, as far as we've done it, that's not necessary to do. You don't need to spend money to make money. You can, you need to like, you know, you need to have some structure like you need to be able to spend a little bit of money like sometimes you'll need to buy little little things here and there uh maybe content packs uh, maybe some templates when you're first starting out if you really need some more structure um stuff like that but that's never going to cost it's never it's never a prohibitive cost like you can get templates for like 15 bucks on sale you can get a class like if you're just starting out and you want to learn web development you can get, you can go to udacity or udemy or whatever and you can get like courses for like 15 20 bucks when they're on sale stuff like that like you don't need to spend a bunch of money to get get up and get up and going in terms of the hardware with that being said, uh, I don't know, Matt, if you have any comments on the setup part portion yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, I do actually. So one thing I did want to mention was, um, there is some sort of limit with, with equipment, just so people know. Like, it has to be Sonus kind of like semi modern. Like, I would say your computer can be probably 10 to 12 years old, but like, we've had people, we've had clients and Michael remember literally hand us like a ThinkPad from the early days of Windows XP. Like, you're not really going to be able to do that because you're going to have like, no supported browsers, an old version of like IE and that type of thing. So if you're like in that boat, cause some people are like, there's still a fair people, amount of people using XP. Um, you really kind of need to upgrade because unless you're going to be working for some sort of like factory or something, making their internal like intranet website and they all have computers like you, you know, the, the job that that right there is a niche in and of itself. And with that, even with that being said, it's, it's, yeah, you're probably not going to get any sort of work. <laughs> like, you're not, and, and it's going to be hard for you to study. It's going to be hard for you to learn, like, modern CSS techniques and that type of thing. But Mike's right. Like, really, in this day and age, like, going to a used computer shop for a couple hundred bucks, you could easily come up with something. Like, I, if all my computers went down, I have an old gateway laptop. Like, I could quite easily work from that. Like, it wouldn't be as efficient and as nice. But I would be able to work from that. And with another thing to kind of build on, what Mike said, he's like, you know, you might have a test server in your house and that type of thing and a portion portion of your budget. As you scale, you'll also learn what things are going to be convenient for you. So like whether you're just like, damn, like, you know, doing these backups like works, but it's a pain in the ass. Like you might be like, hey, I want to just have like a server here that'll just be on all the time and it'll do like a cron job copy so that like maybe your upload's limited and you're like, it'll just do it overnight when no one's using the internet. Uh, so it doesn't like kind of kill the internet in the house or like wherever you're working. Uh, so like, that's kind of like you, you start spending your money on things that are more luxury sometimes than necessarily needed. But there's, there are things as you gain more, uh, responsibilities that you will need as well. So you're spending money on more money generally on luxuries and you're spending it on needs as well, where you're like, Oh man, like I need to upgrade my reseller plan. Or, oh man, I need to get another reseller plan or I need to get another host or I need to just get a host, like a reseller host, because I have so many customers now and they keep asking me for, you know, hosting that I'm leaving money on the table. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and like, like you said, with the luxury thing, like depending on what your income is and depending on how much money you saved up, if you want to spend some stuff on like extra monitors, like that's all luxury, right? Um, if you want to spend some stuff on multiple different test devices, if you want to spend money on maybe having a MacBook so you can do all of your, you know, iOS testing and Safari testing, as well as your Chrome testing and Windows testing all on one device, that's all kind of up to you at that point. My 
point in this segment is to say like you don't have to do that like if if you're at the point where you're like i i'm worried that i'm going to be spending too much money to start to start doing web development that's where you're wrong like you don't have to spend a lot of money to start and again you don't even have to spend a lot of money to continue it it's all very manageable and it's all under like you know it it's not Again, it's not like you're starting and you have to buy a store. Like you don't have to have a presence, like an actual physical presence. You don't have to do the things that most typical businesses, when they go to the bank and get a loan for $100,000, you don't have to go through that process because there is no real huge startup cost. Like when Matt and I were first starting out, we talked to some accountants and they're like, well, what's your startup cost? It's going to be like 20, 30 grand. And we're like, no, like 30 bucks a month or something. For hosting, yeah, this is yeah. a while ago. Like this is a while ago. It's like we already have the computers. We already have, uh, like, we already have servers. We already have monitors. Like, we already have all this stuff. Like, like we've calculated out. We don't really need much. We, we need a domain name, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But and then we need like some hosting, which I'll again I'll talk about in a second in the services segment. But that's it. Like we've got everything we kind of need to get started. We just finished college, so like assuming you're in college or you're in university. My guess is you probably already have everything you need. Other than that, maybe like, you know, 20, 30 bucks for hosting and stuff like that. And and it's important to, to like, not try to be like too cheap with stuff. Like Mike's, Mike's going to talk in a bit about grabbing, you know, domain names and grabbing some hosting and that type of thing and, and some entry tier stuff and then some later on stuff like mid tier stuff and whatever. But it's important to... Like if if you're having if you're struggling to find something that you want for free, like and you're struggling to find it for free, generally speaking, it's something that you're just gonna have to kind of bite the bullet on and just purchase it. Like you're not gonna want to have like some sort of like subdomain that like people are offering for free, and then have Google just like not rank you or like literally like not rank you at all or like rank you poorly because you're in like some random subdomain that a bunch of other people have and and stuff like that. Like you don't want to get into that wheelhouse. Like you want to start off right and. It, it, it's it's one of those things where it is something like thirty bucks a month, and so if your business at the like out of the gate is not worth thirty dollars a month to you, then you're already kind of done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like thirty. I mean, we're we're talking very like the lowest startup cost you can possibly have for a business is that. Like when you t- if you if you tell that to someone that's started their own contracting business, even contracting is in like doing like you know like wood, general contractor, general yeah. contractor, like. Even for them, they have to get all their tools. Their tools are thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. They might have to get a, a truck, right? That's like, you know, like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars, whatever, how much those trucks are. They have to get insurance because they go to people's, like all these things that they have to do, you, we don't have to do when we're yeah. first starting out. Obviously, this, again, this scales as you go, but it, it's, it's a, it, again, it's a very manageable scale. Like you don't, you're not going to get it to a point unless you start like, you know, developing an agency, which again, Matt and I haven't gotten there yet, where you're having like a hundred employees or 50 employees or 30 employees, whatever. That's when you kind of, that's when you can really spend a lot of money because manpower costs a lot of money. But again, when you're first starting out, when you're getting to that medium, that small to medium size, uh, when you have a lot of clients, there's no need to do that. You can be very, very frugal if you want to. With that being said, let's move on to services. So what services will you need? And this is more the software side, right? So I was talking about the hardware. This is more the software side. What, what will you need to buy? What will you need to start your web development business? Start your, start making a website. Like, let's say 
you you have a client. Like a, a lot of the time, how people start in web development is they'll like their dad owns a business and they need a website, right? And they're like, oh, okay, I can make you that website. Or their uncle needs needs a website or their father, like someone's family friend needs a website and they're like, hey, you just finished some computer program. Why don't you make a website? So a lot of the time that is a very typical scenario. So in that scenario, uh, this is kind of what applies to it. Like, again, it, it's, in my opinion, you shouldn't say no to that if that's something that you're interested in. You should be like, okay, I can do that. Like, I can definitely do that. Let me just go and figure it out and stuff like that. And we'll get to in, in this, in this episode, we're going to get to how to charge people like that. Uh, even, even your first clients and stuff like that. Like, what, what do you do for charging? And again, it, it's pretty opinionated, but I'll, I'll get to it. But with the services segment, uh, what you need is like a local development environment. And those development environments are mostly free. So this is like stuff like XAMPP, which will run a PHP server in the background. It'll run Apache. It'll run, it'll run up kind of like a, 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 you know, a development environment that mimics production a little bit. It's not just like, you know, you're, you're not just opening up an HTML file and that's it. It's mimicking production. So you can kind of see how different versions of PHP are running and stuff like that, how it's interacting with your code. So that stuff is for the most part free. Then there's other th- things like, um, live server environments with frameworks. So like with a Vue.js framework, they'll give you a live server environment again, free, uh, where it'll like live reload on every unsave and you'll be able to access it through the, your, like through your browser to see the changes as they're going live. Again, this is all like mimicking a production environment. And most of it, like, I, I don't know. I don't, we, we haven't paid for any sort of local like development environment software. There is paid software, not to say that there isn't, but we haven't paid for it. So for production, like, so let's say you've built the site and now you want to host it. You're at that point. Also, again, the, sc- the costs are very scalable and they scale. And I want to point this out right now from $0 a month. So in my opinion, right now, as, as the industry stands, you can host a production site for a small business, a, some, something like a business where it's just a online presence that they're looking for. Something like I need a body shop that, you know, I just need people to be able to find me online to Google my name and be able to see my phone number, see where my address is, see what let's, what services I offer, something like that. For that, you can do it for $0 a month with services like Netlify, GitHub Pages, uh, and stuff like that. Like there, there's, a, there's a couple other ones that I, I don't remember, but I, I mostly just use Netlify. It is able to host just basic HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. It can't do the PHP side of it. So if you have like a WordPress, that won't work for you. Uh, if you want a CMS or WordPress, you won't be able to do it for free, but it's very cheap too. Like if you wanted to do WordPress, you could probably get away with something that's like five bucks a month. Or, well, and actually you, you can also use something like triple zero web host as well. Right. Is that free? Is triple zero? Yeah. Web yeah. Zero, yeah. Like at least years ago, like I'll just even double check it right now. Yeah. Double check it. But like, for sure. yeah, like it was, it was the thing that I used for WordPress like years and years and years ago. To do some testing. Yeah, here so we like, go. Yeah. Uh, zero, zero cost website hosting with PHP, MySQL, and cPanel and no ads, $0 a month. Perfect. So again, for smaller websites, in my opinion, and, and this is, this might be a controversial thing. Like, I don't know. I, and I don't mind that. Uh, if you're a more seasoned developer and you've done many different projects and you've tried this out and you've proven that it doesn't work, let me know. And again, I'm talking smaller sites, like small sites where I don't anticipate the traffic hitting, you know, even the thousands a week, 
Like, I don't think it's ever going to hit that. I think you can host it for free, even in a production environment. And I think that that's okay, especially with the new services like Netlify, because they're very fast. Like, they're, it, it's a very good service. It has DNS attached to it for free. Uh, again, it has ver- like it, it attaches to your version control system, so you can update stuff without even having an FTP connection, which is nice. It has a lot of really nice like things that you would be like, "Wow, I can't believe this is a free service." Uh, and it definitely has that. Now it has some downsides, like I said, it can't do the PHP hosting, as far as I understand. Um, it has some downsides in that it, it was just introduced recently, where build time is now going to be billed. So you're going to get 300 minutes or 350 minutes of free build time. And after that, it'll start charging you per minute or or per per another 350 or something like that. It's not much, but they'll start charging you for building. And what build time is, is that if you use a framework, and this only really applies to frameworks, it doesn't apply to just basic static HTML sites, uh, and they build, they do like NPM run build, that time that the server is running that build will be calcul will be accumulated, and so they'll they'll start, they'll start tracking that time. And if you do more than three hundred minutes of that time a month, then they're going to start charging you. So that's a new thing that they've just added. So be careful if you have a site and you're constantly doing builds. That's something that you kind of have to take into account. Now, I think for most people, three hundred minutes is more than enough because a lot like their machines are pretty powerful, uh, and most of my builds take like anywhere from 30 seconds to, I don't know, two minutes is the most. And I only build like, you know, when I have something new in master essentially. So it's, I don't do too many builds, but for a larger website, that's constantly dynamic content, especially if it's like server side rendered content, uh, where, or it's a, sorry, a static site generation content that we talked about in one of the previous episodes. Uh, that would be something that would be concerning for me because every time the CMS gets updated, a new build would have to kick off, and if that's getting updated on a daily basis, you're gonna you're gonna feel that 300 minutes hit you pretty pretty quickly. And, and also, with that even being said, that that that's kind of an testament to maybe you'd want a local uh, environment. So, like if you're if you're learning like the build process, like you know you've never set up the environment to build, and then you're also rapid fire pushing changes, like you're maybe you're like the front end, the UI guy, and so you're just like. Well, you know, let's let's try Flexbox here. You know, you're trying to fix up the UI, so you're constantly pushing little changes to like kind of finick, be like kind of finicky with it. You don't want to be like building constantly in the cloud. You'd want some sort of local infrastructure in some way, so that it's like, okay, you know, I I, I actually saved some money here. Yeah, I I, full, I fully agree with that. I didn't I didn't even think about that because I, a lot of people do do their development on Netlify, um, but again, yeah, I would recommend doing it in a local environment that mimics. A production environment as much as possible. There's another thing called Docker, which is again another free service. I, it's surprising to me when I started to like look at this episode and started to look at all these services that we use like on on a day to day basis. How many of them have a either a very generous free tier or are completely free and open source? And it, it it's it boggles the mind because there's there's a certain point where like like Netlify. Uh, they went in and they, they've adjusted their payment scheme, right? With that, with that build time. And it's just a slight adjustment, but again, it, it, it is something that now you have to consider. And I, I wonder how often that'll happen with all these free services. As the web industry matures and bigger companies take over, I'm interested to see, and this will be a larger topic that we'll maybe discuss in a future web news or something like that, but I'm interested to see how free all of a sudden will migrate to more expensive and more expensive to the point where maybe this podcast episode will be obsolete. 
where where I'm talking about like you can host a site right now at this very time for free in a production environment without too many downsides, especially if it's a small business site, like a, a again a web presence site. So again, to bring to to kind of talk about that, there's another there's another thing with a free service called uh, Sanity IO, and we've talked about this before, which has a, a headless CMS portion to it, and they also have a very generous free tier. So again, if let's say your auto body site needs to edit their about section, needs to edit their contact section, needs to edit their homepage a little bit, their services, like they need to change their pricing on their services every once in a while, you can hook them up with the Sanity IO free tier. Uh, and again, I'm not, we're not associated with them. There's no sponsorships or anything like that. It's just one of the services that I've looked into. Uh, and you can have a full CMS side of it because they host it for you for free as well. Where they, you can have your customer doing it for free. So again, my, my argument is, is that we can, we can do everything for a smaller business. And when you're starting out, you're probably going to be working with a smaller business to start for free. You don't have to go in and start spending money left, right, and center on hosting. You don't have to go spend money on software. You don't have to spend money on, uh, all like assets and stuff like that. You don't have to do that when you're first starting out. That shouldn't, again, that shouldn't be a roadblock for you. Like if that's what is in your head where you're like, I don't want to go out and spend money, that shouldn't be the case. Yes, you will have to spend time learning all these different technologies, learning how to do it for free, learning and stuff like that. But I, in my opinion, that's time well spent, right? I, I think that, that that's something that will service you in the future. Like I, I think like being as lean as possible at the beginning will help you have motivation to grow in the future. Because if you're, let's say go out there and be like, okay, I'm going to buy the most expensive reseller package right away, which can be, what, what is it? $50 a month, 20, 20 to $50 a month. Would you say Matt? Yeah. I'd say a reseller. That's about right. Yeah. So, so let's say I do that. So you, you put that burden on yourself. Then you're like, okay, well I need to, I need to get a, a an asset base. So I need to go on the, one of these websites where they sell assets. So I have a bunch of images uh, and I'm able to create the website. So that's another maybe 20 bucks a month or something like that uh, for like a few assets a month. It'll add up. It'll, it'll for sure add up. As, as soon as you start like putting these burdens on yourself, you're going to feel a lot more pressure to A, take on contracts that you don't want to do, which is a big, a big problem and it's something that it's kind of unavoidable at the beginning because you don't know what you want and what you don't want. But as much as you, as much as you can, you should be looking for clients to work with and not for. That's something that I kind of mention every once in a while is like, uh, when you're when you're looking for a client relationship, when you're first talking to a client, you want to express to them that we're working together on this rather than I'm working for you on this because I'm the expert in this field. We're obviously you have your own creative thought process and that's fine, but we need to massage it together and we need to be both going towards the same goal. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And again, this is something that comes with experience, but it's it's good to know right when you're starting out that that's what you're looking for. And when you, when you say that to someone, it also makes them feel more understanding of the process. Am I like, as far as like from what we've done, whenever we bring that relationship up with a client, it usually makes them uh, easier to deal with. That's how, that's how I've been seeing it. So with that, uh, again, the only real cost that you 100% will probably have to pay if you're doing a small business site, it's not just like a, a small, like dev- your own developer site is the domain. Cause again, a small business will probably have like Joe's auto body 
whatever, right? Like, or Bill's, Bill and Joe's auto body. They'll want their domain to read Bill and Joe's auto body as much as, as close as possible to that. Dot com, dot ca, dot uk, whatever. But you will have to purchase that. And th- that cost is somewhere between the five to $20 range for a, like a regular domain, not a good one. Um, but it could be a dot com or a dot ca or whatever. Uh, and again, th- that's a year though. So, I mean, five to 20 bucks a year is all it takes to get a production site up and running. That's how much, in my opinion, a site costs to answer the question that the the podcast raised. Literally 20 bucks, 20 bucks a year, I would say. Now, obviously, with that being said, as you progress in your industry, as you take on more clients, there will be other costs, Right. There will be other things that are going to start piling up. So stuff that can start piling up is like quality of life costs. So maybe you want to go to a more CMS, a more visual editor, something like Webflow. Matt's talked about Webflow quite a few times. It does make the code process faster for some people. So that might be something that you want to look into. Those costs can add up pretty quickly. Um, I, I believe their packages started around 16 to $20 USD a month for the CMS and hosting package. And if you want to use their CMS, you kind of have to use their hosting. Uh, that's how they lock you into it. And again, it's not much, but it is that extra $20 a month that you have to worry about that you have to kind of pass on to your customer or charge extra over top to make compensate for the fact that you're doing the maintenance. Co- like it's something that you have to think about. It's something that you have to think about. Then email services. So say, let's say Bill and Joe's auto body shop wanted email and they chose Netlify and the free tier that I was talking about. And they wanted their email to say Bill and Joe's body shop.com. That's a separate service that a free tier, a free tier like uh, Netlify or GitHub pages will not offer. So what you'll have to do if they're not okay with going and at Gmail or an at live account, which is free. If they're not okay with that, they want their domain to be their email to be more professional, which is fair. A lot of people will want that, uh, is you'll have to go to something like um, a, a Google or an Outlook solution or an Office Office 365 solution, which on average is about $5 a month per email, around there. G- g- give or take a dollar here and there, depending on Canada, US, stuff like that, uh, which again, isn't cost prohibitive, but again, it's another cost that you have to add to that free that I was talking about. Uh, then there's asset purchases like I was talking about. So if you want really nice assets in your uh, websites, like you want a really nice background for your you know, main page slider, you want a really nice, uh, you know, you just you want some nice icons that aren't free and like you want them to be a little bit more unique. Those are the kinds of things you might have to pay for. Maybe you, another asset purchase could be a logo. So maybe the, the person doesn't have a logo and they want you to create one. That could be, you know, a couple hundred dollars to $300, depending on who you go to. I, you could go to a cheaper service like uh, Fiverr, but it usually still ends up being in the $50 range when you, when you get all the assets that you need. So $50 to $100 is a typical like cheap logo. I would say like a very cheap one and it goes pretty high up from there. Like you can, I mean, you can get to the thousand dollar logos. We haven't done that because again, our, our dealings have not been with people that are willing to spend the thousands of dollars on logos yet. So 
also there's there's other things like VPS hosting like DigitalOcean for some server testing, uh, Adobe Suite for image editing, you know, like Photoshop, Lightroom, all that. That all adds up, you know, five twenty bucks a month. You're paying. You could be paying in the hundreds a month at at one point when you're a medium size, small to medium size. But at that point, you should be earning well over that amount. So it shouldn't. Again, it should be a very exponential difference between your earnings and how much you pay when you're when you're running a small lean web development business. Now, I I have a couple questions actually. So sure, one of the things that you mentioned in this segment is that when you're working with a customer, you would say something like, I'm working with you on this. I'm not just working for you on this type of thing. What would you say about like, I guess the question is more so, do you read the customer and see if they want that or estimate that they want that type of interactivity? Or do you do that to every customer? And the reason why I say that is because there are some customers and some agencies that some customers just don't want any hands-on. They give you like, you know, a few pages of here's my content, here's my logo, my brand. I don't want to be, t- I don't want like, I don't want to be involved. Just tell me when it's done. Here's my budget. Um, one other thing I guess would be like, or the other question, like the base off of that would be, do you think that, how would I say this? Like, do you think that when you're working for somebody like that, so let's just assume those type of people do exist because they do, those type of customers do exist. They don't want any hands on. Are you afraid to add on expenses without asking? Like how, I guess what I'm saying is, is if the customer doesn't want to be involved, how involved do you get the customer in? Like when you're doing, going through here, like if I just quickly go through this list, if you were going through and you're making them a Webflow site and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, like we've hit the limit of this Webflow site based on their needs. Do you go to that customer and then say to them, Hey, we need to upgrade to the next tier. Uh, do you go to that customer and say, Hey, we need another email if they have, if they need another email? Uh, like, do you like, like how, at what point do you, or would you suggest that people do that? And how often, I, I guess the second question would be, how often do you find people like that? Like that are very, much like i don't want to deal with you like you know there's no like i need this i'm leaving i'll be back in a month give have it to me by then so okay so those kind of customers can still fall under the category are working at working with you the the problem that i have with customers is when um they're not willing to do what we we agreed to in the beginning so like the problem the problem arises when like let's say it's a content thing. So let's say we sit down, we have a conversation where like we're working with you and stuff like that, and they're like, Well, uh I'll get you this content by, you know, next week. And then we wait till next week and nothing happens. So we wait the week after that, they don't get us the content, like the about us blurb. They don't get us the content, and then they don't like they don't communicate with us enough. If they set up the boundaries at the very beginning, they're like, listen, I'm going to be really busy these next couple of months. You write the content for it because I know you're a professional. Like, you know what, you know what to write. Uh, like, just look at my competitors. You write the content, make sure the keywords, I'll review it when it's done, stuff like that. That's a different, that's still working with you because again, he's being upfront with his, uh, w- with what's going on. He's being upfront with how everything is working. And that's why I said it's very hard to determine what kind of customer it is based on like initially how you can determine that kind of stuff is like the pre-process before you start work for them. How is their responsivity, right? Like, how are you guys communicating? 
are they more demanding of you in that process where they're, they want things done in a certain way that doesn't make sense. And when you explain to them how it should be done, they're not understanding and they want it done their way, no matter what, that's not working with you, right? Like th- those are the kinds of red flags that you want to look out for. Um, when they're not willing to like, when they think they know what's best for them, but they're like, uh, an auto body shop owner. You know what I mean? They've never worked in, maybe they, maybe they've dealt a little bit in WordPress once or twice where they've edited their page from, from the past. And now they want to dictate the way that it should be done. Let's say that they want, uh, you know, on their, on their front, on their front page, they want a video that is 4K and is like 400 megabytes of them walking around their shop. And that's what they want as their front page. And you're like, well, listen, it can't be that high quality if you want it in the background, maybe. Maybe you want a little bit of movement in the background. Like, we can do that, but it can't be that high quality. And then they're like, no, we need – this is a stopping point. Like, we need this page. And you explain it to them and they say, no, that's when the relationship has to – kind. Of, like, you have to kind of think, like, should I be even starting the relationship with this person? Like, should I continue? Those are the kinds of things. I don't think it's a it's a serious issue if the person wants to be hands-off. As long as they're very upfront about it and you decide everything before they become hands off in your, in your question, like, Oh, we need more emails. Oh, we need a little bit higher web flow hosting. I would absolutely contact those kinds of people because usually they'll, they'll be, they're pretty responsive as long as you don't hammer them with questions all the freaking time because they've made very clear that they can't respond on a, in a timely fashion. But if you hammer them with a question here and there about like, especially about charging them money, they're most likely going to answer a positive or a negative to you based on that. And again, with a customer that works with you, they'll be much more understanding of the costs. That's what I've been, that's what we, that's what we found, Matt. Like most of the time, like as soon as you establish that relationship of it's not you versus them, it's you together it's a lot easier because you're not trying to gouge them with money. You're trying to make a fair, a fair amount for the work that you put in Yeah, for the, for the size of your company as well. Like, because as the size of the company goes up and as your production goes up, as your skills go up, the cost, the fair cost also goes up. And with that, I, unless you have anything else to add, we can move on to the, what to charge segment. No, I think I think because I, I was gonna make a comment, but I think I'm gonna end up making it in the next segment. So yeah, like uh, I think take it away with that. So in this segment, we're gonna do kind of a web news approach to this. Uh, so there's no in, in lieu of the web news this week. So no web news. Sorry about that. Hopefully back next week with a vengeance. Um, like Die Hard with a vengeance. Is yeah, that like what you're trying yeah, to go exactly. with? Yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah, I was. I decided to do a movie reference for you, specifically for you and your Plex enthusiasm, Fant- which you haven't fantastic. talked about on the podcast very often. Just a little bit. Max is a oh, sorry. Matt is a plex enthusiast, a plex bird, as they call. Yeah, them. like he could he could probably you could probably have a separate podcast where you just talk about plex, and you'd have enough for like a weekly weekly content, which is good. I mean, uh, put put great. it this way: my first plex uh, hat was on a Raspberry Pi two, and not like Model B or whatever, like the first Raspberry Pi two, and it ran fine. Yeah, like I had a, like exactly. a, like a special USB adapter that like regulated power to an external drive, so I could keep like an external portable drive and not have another power oh yeah yep yeah well there, there's a little tidbit about matt that maybe not all of you knew plex expert plexpert um so with this segment we're going to be talking about what to charge and why it's going to be a conversational one is because it's a very objective thing and usually how we approach what to charge is very conversational it's not like a formula 
uh, which some people think it is. Like some people, I know, I know some agencies for sure do it by formula, but as a smaller business, especially when you're starting out, it's impossible to do that. It's, it's not, I wouldn't recommend it because every client is going to have a different approach to pricing. Uh, and you have to approach them differently to it, in my opinion. So, and again, this varies very greatly between starting out when you're first starting out and a medium sized business where we are right now. So in the beginning, a lot of people say like, oh, you should take on free work, like take on as much free work as you possibly can get your profile built up, get your contacts built up and stuff like that. And that is a valid way of doing it. And I think like that will work. But in my opinion, I lean towards giving good discounts rather than charging nothing. And good discounts could be very cheap. Like you could be doing sites in the $500, $200, even $200 range if they're really simple, which isn't a lot. And you were going to probably put a lot more work into it, especially in the beginning, than the $200 is worth. But that $200 or $500 is a motivating factor for you to continue and do a really good job. And as as a motivating factor, and some people don't need it, like I said, for some people, the free method might work and that's fine. But for for a lot of people, I know that that, that, that extra motivation of having that money that someone paid, because it's still like $200 is still money. Like it's still quite a bit of money for people. Like there are people, you know, have to go into their pocket. They have to work for that money. So it's still something and you're taking it from them for a service. Which is, which is fair that that's how, that's how, you know, society works. So you'll be more obligated to provide a better product for them if you take something and you can tell them, like, listen, I, I'm, you can be upfront with them. I'm starting out. I'm charging you very little compared to what the industry is charging because I'm starting out. Um, and I'm going to do the best I can to earn that money. Like you can be very upfront with them. And I, th- I think that that is a decent method for how, how to start and what, what to charge in the, in the, in the very beginning. Try to, obviously you want to, you're not going to be charging thousands of dollars right, right off the bat. I don't think that's a good strategy. Like, I don't think the strategy of being like pretending that you're already a conglomerate agency and charging $10,000 for a simple site, which some people do. <laughs> let's not be like, let's not kid ourselves. This does happen. I don't think that that's a good way of going forward because what's most likely going to happen in that scenario is you're probably not going to be worth that cost. And in the end product, they're not going to get that value out of it and they're not going to recommend you. And what you really want from the very beginning is that recommendation. You want people to be able to, you know, go to their friends and be like, this guy did a really good job. He was very reasonable in pricing. He was just starting out and he did a really good job. You should contact him for your site. That's those are your, that's your goal from the very beginning. At the, at the start, your goal isn't like I need to make $10,000. With that being said, what I want to move on to is a, is a couple of different scenarios. And what's going to happen is I'll describe a scenario and Matt and I will kind of go through how we would price it out, what questions we would ask, what based on those answers, what we would charge and stuff like that. So first, that scenario, auto body shop, I and mean, we talked about this, that needs an online presence, very simple site, seems like they're not willing to pay much but want something up there so the customers can find them. So they're, they they have a need, but they don't want to spend a ton of money on their website. They, so they don't have a future plan or anything like that. They just want something up there as soon as they possibly can so that they can at least, at least be competitive with their competitors. They need a homepage, an about page, a services page, which lists their services, like what kind of auto body sh- stuff they do, uh, and a contact us page so people can find them. They want to they be able to change their information 
if that's possible. So they want to be able to go in there and add services, change their uh, about, change their phone number if that happens, stuff like that. They want to be able to change some basic information. They don't really need to add too, too much to it, but they need to be able to at least change text. Um, they will provide images, logos, and branding information to you. So you don't have to worry about getting the logos done. They just had it like, let's say in this scenario, they just had a, a rebranding. So they got some decent logos. It's not like a picture of a van that, that uh, I mean, that that's actually happened. Don't that that's a legit thing that's happened to us is someone sent us a logo, which was a picture of their truck or something like that with the logo on it. And they're like, you can use that. So that that that's the scenario. So I'm going to pass off to Matt to do his first like initial analysis on what we need to charge for that. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. So normally what we'll do with these is we'll sort of kind of – we kind of have names for each of these type of things. So this is like – this is what we'd call like a basic small business website kind of thing. Like if I went to Mike and I'd be like, hey, they just need a small business site. He would kind of know what they what they needed. Um, the fact that – the fact that we don't need to do any sort of branding identity stuff, so we don't need to bring in any sort of illustrators or anything like that, is a huge plus. Um, so, like, okay, so let's kind of go down the list. So, first of all, you classify the website. So, in this case, you classify it. Yes, it's a small business site. There, there's that. Then your next question from the client would be, and we already have this information, but the next client, the next question to uh, kind of check the box would be, do they need that brand identity? Do they need logos? Do they need, uh, do they need uh, anything like that? Logos, colors? Do they need more photos? Do they need updated photos of their place? Like, what do they need? If they have all the media stuff like that, then you're kind of good to go. And then the next one is the, okay, well, since we're going to have all this on the website, do you want to be able to change it yourself or do you want to have to call me to change it or are you just going to leave it until, you know, this like gets old that we're just going to have to redo it anyway? So in this case, the piece of information is that, yes, they want to be able to change their information. So what that basically means is now we're dealing with a business that's already established, so we don't need to deal with any of the media. It's a small business website, and it needs a CMS. Now, that CMS part, even though it was said last, is actually very important because it then kind of adds more of a back-end aspect. You can't just kind of go into HTML and CSS and just sort of, you know, throw something together or bootstrap or something like that and just throw something together. You have to now throw something together such that it complements a backend that they can not only, not only does the hosting have to support it, but that they can log into that they understand. So there's a whole UX aspect where you have to like label things properly, uh, make sure that the help text, which is like the little hint text, like this says logo, but you put like, Hey, you know, recommended image size, one-to-one aspect ratio or whatever. So make sure that you all your, you know, you, there, there's a fair bit of work there. Um, then you have to like test that stuff. And then there's gonna be problems like there usually is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And every addition they want, requires also an addition on the back end. So you also have to like make it, you know, you have to make that new page or that new element in the future, but you also have to make it CMS, if you will. Um, so with that being said, um, our normal, uh, price for like small business website ranges from like, let's say 250, uh, which is very simple to about 750. So I would say that this site would be at the very least 750 because the CMS, and be closer to something like 1200 due to the CMS. Yeah, I would say, okay, due to where we are right now in a company, and this is like us talking as we would talk in this situation, due to where we are right now in a company, we have a lot of work right now. We're busy, right? Like we have a lot of different sites. So I don't I don't see a way that we could do this for less than 1200, if that makes sense. But I'd be, I think it would make more sense for them and us in the $1,500 range um, 
because again, it, like you said, the CMS, we want to make sure that we put enough time and effort into this to make it good enough and, uh, like be able to stay there for years because this, this seems like something that would be like do and forget for a long time because it's, it's one of those like they want it just to, just to be there. And in, in general, it should build equity as it goes because it should build again, uh, search terms as it goes. So I, I think it will generate income. Not a right away, but it will generate them income because they will, they will be fine. Because according to this, they don't have a web page right now. They don't have like there's nothing we can build off of. So this is a brand new site for them. They don't have a web presence, so they need to start from something. So this is going to do that. We're going to put some SEO work into it. So that's going that that's a that's a cost associated. So I think a fair price would be in the fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred dollar range. Um. I would appro- again, I would approach it in the way that let's work together on this. Let's make sure that we have a good product out there. That's what would make us comfortable doing it. Now, having said that, going into the meeting with them, like let's say we're, we scheduled a meeting for like, you know, next, next day, we need to have a price top and a price bottom, which and, we and a do. pricing method. And a, yes, and a pricing method. Correct. So like, like whether uh, they want to pay over a few months, whether they want to pay, in installments forever, like with maintenance, like what do they want to do? And then we need to determine prices like that we're comfortable with in that regard as well. Like, do we want passive income right now? Like that's a big question, like in the company, like do we want passive income or do we want an influx of cash? And so sometimes we will not steer them toward a passive income thing, but then if, if they want it, then we'll be like, yeah, let's, let's do a passive. Yeah, that's true. So like you can have a, you can adjust it a little bit so that you can say, We'll do the website for, you know, $600, but we'll, we'll have a maintenance package for $50 a month. That's something that we could offer them. Yes. Right. Yes. That's, not, that's something that we have offered before. Um, now in this case, I would say like knowing this guy fictionally, I don't think he's going to go for the maintenance for the, for the $50 a month. We do have to charge something a month because we do have to maintain the server that it's hosted on. Right. So our minimum cost for that is usually the $10 range. I would prefer the $20 a month to be, to, to make it so that again, it's better for us, like to make sure that we check it, make sure that it's up, stuff like that, like our basic service package. Like we're not going to be doing any changes, but at least we'll have, make sure that it's up and it's running well and it's secure to the best of our ability. I would say the $20 a month, $1,500, $1,600 in that range. For the bulk amount, um, we can do, we can break it into two installments or we can, what we usually do to be fair, like working with local businesses, and this is not something that I would do so much online, but with a local business, I, we usually charge after completion. And that's, again, don't at me. That could be a controversial thing because a lot of people say like, you should never, you should always take some stuff up front. But I find that generating that trust with a local business is worth more than that initial income that I get. And we haven't been really burned by it yet. I expect we will be at some point. And, and it's come close. Like it has come close close to the point where we've had to like contact people or like cut off work and stuff like that. Like it has gotten to that point. Yeah. But I'm still okay with doing it. 
Like I think that the con the pros outweigh the cons right now. In our, in, I, in I, where we're I at. agree as long as the like in this particular scenario, yes. But if it was something ridiculous, like hey, we need like a bunch of VMs and we need like a VPS and we need all this stuff, and it's going to cost us, you know, a hundred plus a month in terms of expenses yes. at least, like end up like a hundred plus and up, then it's like whoa, okay. At the very least, I want two hundred, so I get a couple hundred bucks, a couple months. Yeah, in. yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. If you to cover expenses, I have, I fully support that. Well, we haven't had that too too often yet. Um, but regardless, that's th- that's where I would go in. So I would go into this meeting with this uh about my fl- my what i want and what i think is fair is fifteen hundred dollars up front or not up front sorry for the for the cost of the site and twenty dollars a month after the first three months of the site being up to so give three months free after the first three months let's do twenty dollars a month Having said that, I know that this person is fairly stingy and could balk at that, could be like, whoa, that's way too much. I would explain to him that my reasoning, again, I would explain to him everything that I've already said, that like, we need to work together on this. We need to put as much effort as we can into this. Again, we're very busy right now. We need to be able to make it so that it's worthwhile for us. This is how much it costs. But because like we know you or whatever, like we're, we're giving you a good deal. I am willing to go down to something in the realm of 13 to 1200. I think, I, like the the twelve hundred that you mentioned as as being reasonable, I I'd probably be willing to do it for that. And then if they're balking at the twenty dollars, I would settle for the ten dollars at the minimum. Yeah, that's actually a really good kind of uh, segue into what I was going to say. Is if you noticed at the beginning there, like Mike and I obviously had different price ranges, but like we weren't too far off. And that often happens. Like, um, I'm usually lower, but like not always. Sometimes Mike's lower than me. And so yeah. we almost like to, to come up with that high and that low number. We often bounce each other's like, uh, justification for our price range off of each other because sometimes I'll be like, well, I already have an interface just like this. So like, I'm going to be able to finish the homepage and like the about page in like literally 10 minutes. Just have to change some variable names for the CMS, stuff like that. So- and, and, and what's good about that is that we're negotiating with each other to come up with a fair price for the customer. So it's like, it's like a pre-negotiated price. Yeah, It's absolutely. Yeah. Like all, all our prices so far have been very fair because of that. You're right. It's much easier when you have someone to bounce it off of because they, there's reasoning behind everything. Having said that with, with your, like I can make this in 10 minutes thing. Um, it, it does warrant, like it does play a factor into this, but you spent, significant amount of time creating that template very true very true yeah and and not only that you've spent a significant amount of time making your craft better and better and better and you put a lot of effort into that and a lot of time and a lot of money because time is money so charging yourself less based on the fact that you're using your skills better and more efficiently is not the right way to go in my opinion it has to be in a reasonable way, obviously, but I don't think that that is a fully like solid argument to charge him like a significant amount less. If it's something, you know, you, you've done it be- like we've done it before where there's literally a website that takes you 10 minutes to do start to finish because it's literally a business card website. It's a one pager. There's a few columns like a, a, a header and stuff like that. In those kinds of scenarios, it's a little bit different. And it's someone that, you know, like that, that's another aspect that plays into it in those cases it's a little bit different 
But for the most part, I want to like just point out that your expertise, your efficiency all play into the pricing. Your way, your communication skills, stuff like that play into the pricing. It's not just the hours that you work on this website. It is not just that. That is not how uh, service industry works. That is how contract hourly works, but not how website packages work. It's not hourly. That's not how you, that's not how you negotiate. It's, it's based on quality. It's based on what is being asked. It's, it's it obviously the, it plays into it, like how many hours you're going to spend on it, but it's not the only thing. That's what I want to point out. But how, wh- what do you think of my pricing? Is it, is it reasonable or would you go lower? Would you go higher? I think it's reasonable. I think that I like that. Like your low end is the same as my, like what I was saying, like around there. And, um, like I, I would agree, and and I I also agree with that the point you just made where, like you did spend a lot of time. Like, it'd be the same as you saying like, "Whoa, I'm getting a lot of like used car lots," and so I'm gonna make like a template, you know, without a customer there necessarily. I'm gonna make like a template for used cars, and then you just being, then you just like shortchanging yourself when the next few like used car salesmen come in. Now, admittedly though, like we have in the past. Y- we'll play our discretion with certain customers. If a customer is legitimately in a jam, like we've had a couple where they've come in and they've been like a referral, let's say from a friend and like they, they've gotten like just straight up screwed over by another web development agency. Like we've been people, we've had people that have been left with like broken, like, I don't know, broken, like CMSs completely where you can't log in or things where clearly, clearly like something like clearly the, the 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 relationship broke down and the site just is incomplete but was they were charged the full amount and stuff like that so like we'll play like that'll also play a thing like it's not in this scenario that like this example but like this that is a part of our pricing too we'll, we'll be like we'd charge a thousand for this normally let's just hypothetically say but we'll do 750 just because like this person's probably going to be like ecstatic that we weren't you know another web dev that was like nope like, you know, thousand and up, get out of here, you know? Yeah. And exactly. And with that being said, so we've, we've established our low and high. Let's say that they come out to us in a scenario that is like, we say 1500 and they're like, whoa, I was thinking this is only going to cost like two, $300 in that scenario. And we've had, we've, we've experienced this scenario before multiple times. What you do is you graciously decline working with them working with them and you do it in the nicest way possible that you can because this isn't a thing where they're just like they're trying to devalue you or whatever they don't understand the value of it and that's okay it's really on you to prove the value and sometimes it's just like they can't afford more in their in their mind and that's also okay and you just have to tell them listen like there's no problem no hard feelings at all it's fine we're just at different different points in our value in, in our valuation I have like, we'll have no problem answering any questions that you have. If you have it, like if you, if you want to bounce some questions off of us and stuff like that, but like that doesn't play into our strategy as a business right now. That's kind of the way you answer them in that scenario. You, you say no in the nicest way possible and you move on and you don't worry about it. Like that's it. Sometimes what will happen is they'll come back to you and just like agree to your reasoning. Sometimes they'll send some other person your way because you don't want to break down the relationship over a disagreement like that. Because like you might see it as a slight to you, like as they're offending you and your your like your your expertise, but that's usually not the case. They're usually just not. They haven't done their research. They haven't 
maybe they just don't want that level of service. Maybe they want something simpler. Like maybe they're willing to outsource it to a different country where they could probably get something for like in the $300 range and they're okay with that level of service. And that's also completely fine. Those people need work too, like all, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's just one of those things that it's okay to say no. It's very much okay to say no in those situations. You've set the low boundary for yourself. You've set the one that you want. Um, you're not giving them, you're not overcharging them. You know, like morally you're doing the right thing in all situations. That's, I, I kind of, I try to make, like, I don't want to sit down in a, in a, in a quote meeting, like in a proposal meeting and overcharge, like, you know, charge someone way more than I would just because they're willing to pay that. That would be an unfair thing. And I don't want to have it so that they're offering me way, like way too little for me to even want to get up in the morning and do their work. So it's, it's better to just say no in that situation. Um, with that being said, uh, I think that's it for this scenario. Uh, there's another scenario that I have here. This one's a little bit more complex yep. and a little bit like there's a little bit more to, uh, to unravel here, but so it'll be a larger quote, obviously. So the thing here is scenario two, pet food provider has a local shop. They want an online presence in the immediate future. So they don't have an online presence. They just opened their shop like a, maybe a year ago or something or a few months ago uh, in a local neighborhood. Uh, they want an online presence. Then they want to bring on a local expert to do some videos, video content for them and uh, interact with the community and stuff on there. Like So load videos and they also in the future like maybe they don't see exactly when but they want to be able to sell the dog dog food product or any sort of pet product on their site to their customers so eShop what they want is a phase rollout so they want to be able to you know get this online presence out as fast as possible and then slowly kind of build onto that with with what i was saying and but but they want to quote for the entire thing in different phases. So how much is phase one going to cost? How much is phase two going to cost? How much is phase three going to cost? How much they need to pay right now and stuff like that. So they want to see how much is going to cost because they need to price it out in their heads over a certain amount of years and make sure it makes sense to them to go with you because maybe your, you know, your online presence costs $300 and your eShop costs $10,000 and that, that might not work for them. Like whatever. They, they want the whole cost so that they, they know they can work with you in an extended period of time. So that's all they've given you. And they, they seem like very reasonable people. Uh, that are willing to work with you and they're willing to, you know, you know that they're willing to to spend the money on the right product. That's that's the kind of vibe you get from them. So that that's what I want to throw at you, Matt, to start the analyze, to start analyzing that. Right. So I would say this is one of these scenarios where you're giving more of an estimate uh, than you are definitely like a full quote. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because this is a phase rollout, which means that um, unless they, ha- unless they're very strict and have a very, very detailed plan, for the most part, they have a very detailed plan, uh, for, or they will have a, a very detailed plan for the beginning. So for the first phase, but then they have a lesser, like they have less and less details as the phases get further away. And so as a result, you might be like, oh, we'll just embed YouTube videos. But then when you get to that point, they'll be like, no, we don't want it on YouTube. We want it all hosted by us, for example. And something as simple as that means you need more space in your web server. You need to make sure your CMS has an uploader, et cetera, et cetera. So how you break this down is you take you take kind of apart the phases and you say, okay, you know, phase one, what is it? And you do the same thing like you did in scenario one. So you say like, what is phase one? Is it informational? What is it? So in this case, they just want uh, a business card. That probably doesn't even need a CMS. So you're like, okay, this is a business card website. 
and then you go to phase two and you're like, okay, what are we adding onto this? And you say, okay, what we need to add onto this is you need to have something where let's just say YouTube is okay. So we're going to say, okay, uh, we need to have a place where they can embed videos, but because we want a place where they can embed videos, we need a CMS. We need an editor. They need to be able to edit this. And then the next thing is they, the next like stage is, is obviously e-commerce. They want to sell dog food. So you're like, okay, we need e-commerce as well. And so you need to go kind of down your own list. So you might say, well, phase one, I could just do it in basic static, you know, C, uh, HTML, CSS. But you might also say, well, I could charge a little more for the first phase. And, and this is what we'd probably do and charge a little less than you would for the other two and set up the foundation. Set, set up the foundation, excuse me, of the, of like what you're about to do. So instead of setting up like a static, um, like a static setup, you would go, okay, let's install, let's just say WordPress. Let's install WordPress. Uh, let's get a proper template in there and let's put one page. It'll be our static home plate, home page, excuse me, slash front page. That'll be it. That's our, that's our static thing. Um, and then by doing that, like you're, you're all set up and you're under using WordPress, certainly, but now you're ready for phase two. Phase two is, um, the video content. So now they're ready to go into an editor, edit the, you know, add pages as they need, or make, maybe they're going to be blog posts, add blog posts, embed their videos, have special pages, deal with their own SEO, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the next phase, they're going to be able to install plugins, or maybe you've already done it in phase one. They're going to be able to install some e-commerce plugins like WooCommerce. And so instead of you, let's, let's, these are way too low, but just for simplicity, if you were going to charge $100 for the first phase, $200 for the second, and then $300 for the third, you might be charging $200 in the first, and then just like steal a bit of money like from the other one. So instead of it being, you know, $100, $200, $300, it might be like $200, 200, you know, and then you, you, you would adjust because 900, 900% of the time that third phase is never going to be, um, what they said it was in the beginning. Um, also actually with that being said, um, with phased websites, oftentimes doing the phases themselves will change, will change what the next phase will be. And Mike can attest to this. So like you do one phase and like, let's say they, let's say we do the, the business card part. So we just do one page. It says, Hey, welcome to my pet food shop, whatever. We're going to have this, this, and this sign up for a newsletter. And they're going to be like, wait a second, we can do a newsletter. Well, we can embed videos in the newsletter. You know, they'll have an idea and like what you do sparks an idea in them. And that's straight like, or, or you do the next phase and they, they're like, Whoa, I can type text underneath my embedded videos. I'm going to start doing a blog. And so now you're like, whoa, okay. So now we need a, you know, categories. We need to have more, more stuff there. So like, that's why it's just, it's so inaccurate, uh, to, you know, quote everything out, but don't be afraid to not quote unquote, not overcharge, but like quote or, uh, uh, quote a little more for that first phase to set up the proper foundation for the future. I think I think a big thing that the phasing does is, and and you're completely right uh, in the fact that the phases are never accurate. Like you're never, it's never happened where the phases that the client has said at the beginning are exactly how we go. Um, but what what it sets up is how much you would charge for those kinds of features, right? So and it and it gives both our us a starting point on the chart on, on like a quote for the next phase when it actually happens, like an actual quote and. 
it gives them a look back being like, okay, we can afford this kind of move to the next phase, to the next chapter of their, of their site. So it sets up that relationship more than it, it actually tells you what you're going to be doing. Yes, definitely. In the next phase. So the first phase is the most important for you at this point for us. So we need to focus on that the most. Um, and we need, like you said, based on their specifications, in the future, we need to make sure we have a good foundation. So we need to charge for that foundation today rather than tomorrow, stuff like that. But in, in this kind of site, um, with, with that in mind, knowing that we're going to be needing those kinds of features in the future, we probably need like WordPress would probably do, like you said, it would probably be fine. We're not experts in WordPress. So I don't know if we choose that, but let's say we would, um, cause maybe we'd, we'd contract it out. That's another expense on our part. So we'd have to add, like, we'd have to factor that in, contract out the actual creation of the site. You'd probably still do all the design work and stuff like that. Um, they might need a little bit of branding help. So that might, you know, they didn't say that they have it. So that, that might be a factor. Uh, so I would say a fair price for the first phase would probably be like 1800 to 2000. If that makes sense, because we're again we're we have an expense of contracting out some a portion of it. We might need to do some branding. First phase, I think two thousand makes sense. Yeah, I'd agree with that in this scenario. Yeah, uh, that 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 would make sense for us. Um, I don't know if I'd want to go lower than that, to be honest. Like, I don't know if I'd like I, I would I would maybe be in the twenty two hundred range starting off, just to make sure that we're like you know we're we're in a good place, uh, and then the next phase. So the video, adding videos, adding video content and having someone else edit. So you have to make sure account, account management and stuff like that, because what probably what they want to do is this expert, they want him to have his own account to go in there and put his own videos on there. Maybe that's what they want. So we need some account management, some, some backend database work. I agree with the fact that we're going to be embedding the videos from YouTube because we don't want to store videos. That's not in the, the business that we want to be in. Um, but we'd still need to create a page for each video. It'd probably be more of a blog than a video. Like it would be a video with a, with some description under it, I would assume not just a video. So we'd need to take that into account. It'd be like a video post where every single blog post under that category or whatever would have an embedded video and then an optional like. But that's not a complicated, all these things are not complicated asks. So like, and, and, and really Really, like this, this is an attestment to the second phase or the first phase being you're charging more. Realistically, because it's WordPress, it might already be done. It might only yeah, be, it might only it, be a few yeah. hundred dollars to help somebody log in and ensure that their user role work. It might literally be you making a user, ensuring their user role works, and that's it on yeah. the foundation. I would, of the first say, I, would, I would say, I would say in the $500 range. Yeah, I would say because, because there's going to be some more. to a thousand. You said few hundred, but like, yeah, it would probably be in the 500 to a thousand dollar range. Maybe 500, maybe like maybe in maybe closer to 500. Um, just because you're right, most of it will already be set up. It'll be more just a little bit of structure. Like we'll have to make a page structure. Yeah. Um, like, like make it so that it looks decent branding wise. Cause I know the page structure would maybe already be there in a blog form, but we'd have to make the blog more video focused. So we'd need some adjustments. So yeah, maybe in the 500 to a thousand is I think what I would charge on that for that. Uh, it's a little bit varied again, and I would probably put the variation in the quote. 
Yeah, yeah. Because again, it's a it's a future thing, and we don't know all the variables yet, and we'll only find them out after we do the first phase. So I'd probably put that variation in the code. Now for the third phase, we have e-commerce and e-shop e-commerce, and let's say they want the e-commerce to be local in like. They might not want to use a third-party service. They want to use a like a WooCommerce add-on or a plugin. Right. Like they don't want to use Stripe. So to they s- don't want to use Shopify. Yeah. They want to use like it. It's definitely like a an e-commerce plugin. Like I'm not handling credit cards. No, like I'm, yeah, I'm not. Hand- we don't out. handle credit cards. Um, but yeah. like WooCommerce is like in-house in that it's installed on your website and your instance of WooCommerce is your instance. Yeah, and you have to do all the styling yourself and stuff like that. Um, to the, to a certain degree, like not all of it, but a lot of it yourself. And you have to train them on how to add items and a lot of other stuff. Like we, we don't have a lot of experience with e-commerce to be fair. We have quoted some e-commerce sites. So based on those quotes, I would be charging probably in the two to $3,000 range. Yeah. I, I think that's part. fair because e-commerce, e-commerce, like first off, you're gonna have to train these people. Uh, second off, they may actually get you to put in like if, if especially if you have to train them, they're going to be very slow. And so a lot of the time, because all these phases have gone by, possibly years have gone by and they have, uh, you know, accumulated a fair bit of products. And so they maybe even want you to go and take the pictures and put it up for them. Like, like, or even if they have the pictures, it's still data entry and it's still quite a bit, not to mention training them, not to mention they will ask questions in the future. Yes, not to mention this is in the future where your value could be higher. So you have to take that a little bit into account. It doesn't have to be a very direct line, but you have to take it into account at least a little bit where what happens if this is two years down the line and you're charging $10,000 per site at this point because, again, you have the expertise, the site's complexity goes up, you don't take on those little sites anymore, you you leave them for maybe like a you know a third party that you, you contract them to. Like You don't do this kind of work anymore. Um, so if, if that's the case, you don't want to be unincentivized to continue working with them. So you have to, you have to kind of build that a little bit into the quote. You have to make sure that it's worth it for you to, you know, do it and be like, obviously you're probably going to do it because you've signed like an agreement and you have a relationship with the person, but you want to make sure that again, you're, you want to wake up in the morning, sit down and do this thing. And you're not like, this isn't bringing you down. This isn't something that's actually costing you more money than it is making you. So yeah, I would say in the two to three thousand dollar quote would be fair right now for that. In my assumption, it should be more. But again, most of our quotes should be more. Like every time I quote something, I'm like, we should have quoted more. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because again, I, I think that that's where the fair the fairness lies. Like we, when you agree to a when when a client agrees to a quote, you should both be kind of hesitant. Your client should be like, eh, you know, like, okay, I'm going to do it because this seems like a good working relationship. And you should be kind of hesitant and be like, ah, eh, I should have charged more. I think that's the place where you operate the best in. Um, not like, oh, no, like you're upset, but you should be kind of like, oh, no, like maybe I could have charged a little more. I think that's okay. Like you don't, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to like make them feel like the customer. You don't want to make the customer feel like they've been, you know, had like, haha, like, these, you know, these guys just took away all my money, you know, and like, you don't want to be in that, in that mood. Like, yes, I took all this guy's money, but at the same time, you don't want to be in a, in a place where you're like, man, like I'm going to be working on this for eight months and I'm going to get paid a grand. Like, that's not good. <laughs> like, especially if it's not your, especially if it's your full-time thing. Like, you know, if you're only doing it for a couple hours a week, maybe, but like, not really, you know? 
Exactly. And and again, uh, so we we would prepare the documents. We would prepare a, a, like a formal code document. The meeting would be in a couple of days. We'd show up to the meeting and we'd give them the, the like we'd, we'd have a – the meeting usually goes with like talking, a lot of talking first, a lot of theoretical stuff. And then you sit down and you handle the, the, the cost. And it's always awkward. Like it's always like pulling teeth like either with them or with you. But it always – again, it always kind of – you you want to work on that uncomfortable territory. Like you want to get better at it. So you want to you want to work in in that territory as much as you can. And again, I would be giving them the fair quote that I think is fair for us if they were to balk at it and or be like, uh, can you do a little bit better? I would be willing to go down a little bit. There's always negotiation on fir- like on the first price. Definitely. Yeah, on the first price, like a few hundred dollars here and there. You know what I mean? I'd be willing to go down if they balk at that. Like, again, if we give them a two thousand dollar quote. And they say, Oh, I wasn't, I was hoping to spend like nothing more than 600 bucks on this or 700 bucks on this or less or less. That's the point where you're like, okay, this, this relationship probably isn't the best for both of us and move on. Right. So you have to always have that option in the back of your pocket. Otherwise you're going to panic. Like a lot of the times when we were first quoting, we were always worried about over quoting them and then, then just saying no. And that's it. And then we were like, Oh no, like we, we lost a client or that. And that's it. But. It, what what you have to realize is that like it's it's never it until you both say yes. So every potential situation is a positive situation, but you have to be able to be okay with saying no, and you have to be okay with them saying no as well, right? Like there there could be situations where they say no because of maybe the, how the meeting went or something like that. Like it just the relationship doesn't work because the, in during that meeting is a, a a lot of it is like feeling each other out, how you react to certain conversations, how you react to questions. They can, they have, they're obviously within their right to say no based on how you've interacted. Because some people, they just, they need different kinds of attitudes or different kinds of personalities that they want to do business with. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's, that's really good way to, that's really good way to put it. Like we've recently kind of gotten in there where we were, we even as like recent as like last year, um, like I'd say like right around the time we restarted the show, we were still kind of apprehensive about, when the customer said no, and I would say that we've definitely become more comfortable with that because it, it, it comes to a point where we've done a few projects that we've been like extremely underpaid for. And like sometimes the, even the invoices that are too low, you know, in terms of value are still paid late or not paid it. Like, well, I shouldn't say not paid at all, but cause I don't think we've had one of them, but like, you know, have come close. Like some of those ones that have come close were due to people that were just like, oh, that's too much, even though they agreed to it. And it was like way too low. Like it'd be something that we quoted at a grand here today and it'd be, we would have charged like 200 and then they'd be like, nope, not paying it. Or like, you know, they'd just be like, oh yeah, whatever, I'll pay it later. And they just never hit that net 30 or net 60 or whatever. And so, and so we're like, okay with saying no, because usually those are the people that you're saying no to like, nope, sorry, you know, we can't do that. And like, I think you had a call once, Mike, where like somebody wanted like a skip the dishes equivalent, but just for their restaurant for like 200 bucks. I had a call. Yeah. I, like what? Get out <laughs> I of had here. A, I had a call. We, we had a Kijiji ad, which is the Canadian Craigslist. Um, we had a Kijiji ad up there where we were like offering website service. And I had a call from a person uh, that wanted a website that had the full menu on it that had uh like with modern stuff like that uh, i don't think he needed any sort of like online ordering oh, aspect, I thought, I, okay, so that wasn't part of it um but i think on the phone i was like oh it's gonna be anywhere between like 750 to a thousand dollars it was a really reasonable quote because it was very early on 
in our in our time. And he was like, oh, man, I thought I was only going to be like 150 bucks. 150 bucks for a full yeah, menu, so, full designed, a whole bit. Yeah, Get out of here. And I'm like and – and he's like, well, can you send me the quote anyway? Like, can you get it down to 150 And I said, probably not. Um, I'll, I'll send you an email with the quote anyway, like just to, you know, I'll, I'll give you the quote. And that was the end of it. And I, I again, I, I don't have any regrets saying no to that. Because the thing is, <laughs> is like they, they, they undervalued it and they'll ask for way more for free. Exactly. Exactly. That That's how it's going to be. Like sometimes you'll be, you'll be inclined to kind of help out a person. And if the person's really nice, maybe it's a family friend or something like that. There's not much wrong with that, but sometimes it's like, they're going to take advantage of oh, you hundred yeah. yep. percent. Sometimes they'll they'll take your kindness and they'll ring it over the you know ring it over the coals and it's not going to be a very good experience. I I don't recommend operating in only kindness. Try to make it so that it's fair for everyone. Like I was saying. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to say it. Is is like we've done a couple where someone's been in a jam. They've been screwed over by another web dev company. So it's a totally different scenario. But those people like like generally speaking, when they think that you're char- overcharging by so much. They will ask for way more, like off the off the chart. Like you'll do the whole restaurant website, for example. I'm not saying this person would do this, but a lot of the customers we've experienced where we've undercharged them, um, or where we've like quoted them and they've they've wanted like something much cheaper. Uh, they will like expect a whole bunch more. Like, hey, can you edit these videos? Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Hey, can you answer in the middle of the night? Like, hey, don't 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 you answer like your you know your phone? It's like, well, dude, it was two in the morning, you know, stuff like that, and and they'll expect like the world from you because they think they're paying you two to three times more than they would normally be, be they would normally expect to be paying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's unfortunate, but that's just part of the industry and part of like your learning press. Yeah. So I think I think with that, like that was a good wrap up. We have two scenarios that should give you a good idea of what we charge how we go through the process of figuring out what we charge and then kind of the conversations that we have during the meeting actually so i I, it was a good condensed version of that obviously there's a lot more that we would talk about there would be a lot more back and forth as well so we'd we'd have a list of questions that we'd have to ask them before we give them a final yes definitely yeah that's most likely how it would go down we don't don't blurt out the number we don't blurt out the number immediately yeah, exactly. We'd have a we'd have a pretty good set of requirements before we have a good solid number that we would be comfortable charging. But in a quick in a quick way, this is how it works. Um, let us know what you think of this kind of segment because maybe we can make it you know every six month milestone where we can do something like this uh, and how it progresses as your business evolves because it definitely does. Like I'll, this will as as progressed as it is right now. I bet you in a year or even six months we will be even better at this. And better and better. And I think if, if people like it, let us know. Like you can again add us on Twitter or, uh, talk to us in our Discord server that Matt was mentioning. It'll be in the show notes how to join it and just let us know what you think of a segment like this. And if you want more like real conversations about if, whether it be fake or real projects, uh, we can definitely do that for you. Yeah. That, yeah. That'd be cool because. I think there's, I think there's like a lot to be said. Like, I mean, we don't exactly have a log of, of where we've been, but I think that like we, like we know we've come a long way and it'd be interesting. Like if we had taken like a journal or something or like had an audio log like this where we could say like, whoa, like we used to charge $200 for this and it would take like a whole month and now it takes four days and we charge a thousand because, you know, we're doing it a lot faster and a lot better using more modern technologies and that sort of thing. Like it, it's hard to tell how far you've come without actually having the path right in front of you. So, 
Cool. Uh, well, I think that, that kind of concludes the episode, unless you want to uh, add anything else to that, Mike. Nope. Conclude it up. Alrighty. Well, thank you for listening, and make sure you do not miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML All The Things. That's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter via at HTML Everything. We are on Medium, and we're on GitHub. And we're also on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML All The Things. Check out the tiers and give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. That's Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. You can find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. You can find him at localpathcomputing.com. Craig, a.k.a. Cosworth. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. You can find him at blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer. You can find him at selfmadewebdesigner.com. And Tim from The Web Hacker. You can find him at thewebhacker.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And we are signing off. <laughs>